on 89.9, The Light You're In Conversation with Clayton and the author of this new book, Holier Than Thou. Uh, she's also authored Gay Girl, Good God. Jackie Hill Perry joins me uh, via the wonders of Zoom. G'day, Jackie. How are you? I am doing well, thank you. And it really is great to be able to have a chat to you. I've heard uh, your story over a number of years and been very inspired by the things that I've heard you say and do. And so it's a thrill to have you on the program. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your journey first, and then I want to come to, to both the books and the purposes of, of, of those books. Can we go back to your childhood? And, um, and the childhood was actually quite rough in, in a number of different ways, wasn't it? Uh, in, in some ways, I think there was both joy and drama, yeah. <laughs> which is, which might be typical of most people. Uh, but yeah, I was raised in a single parent home. My mother loved me really well. I uh, was really well taken care of. Uh, I think being a single parent and being an only child to a certain degree allowed her, you know, I got frosted flakes and I didn't have to share <laughs> all those <laughs> kinds of things. Uh, but intermingled with all of the joy was also fatherlessness. Uh, my dad was not uh, present or active in any way. Um, there was molestation uh, as early as six or seven. And so I think both of those coupled together, the fatherlessness and the, the sexual abuse uh, made uh, my sense of identity uh, and even understanding of sexuality pretty skewed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what did that actually lead you to uh, at, you know we, we so often overlook in many senses what happens to us in childhood and, and the next stages of our world what what do you think those parts you know you had this equal part love and care but then this trauma as right. you said that occurred what, what how did that actually play out as you grew into your teen years and beyond well I think for one it hardens you uh, you know it, it makes you unwilling to trust maybe even unable to, to trust and, and be vulnerable in some ways, you know, because your, your understanding of intimacy is so tainted. Uh, and so I think that that's a big deal, <laughs> you know, that it's hard to get close to people. Uh, but as, as I entered into high school, um, I just kind of had this super rebellious part of me um, that's just a part of my nature. And so I just did what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. Um, and in and, 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 and doing so, it was, you know, getting high all the time, stealing, uh, being disrespectful to anybody in a position of authority, uh, and add on top uh, on top of that lesbianism. I just was, you know, the the ultimate rebel. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. what uh, what were you rebelling against? What was there a thing that you went, this is what I'm rebelling against, or was it just I'm going to do whatever I'm thinking and feeling? Uh, if you sort of follow what I'm asking. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I guess submission, I, I, I think I don't like the feeling of being controlled. Even now, as, as a Christian, I have to fight against that, right? And, and, and so I just, I didn't like anyone telling me what to do. And I think to a certain degree, that's because th there's a level of vulnerability that comes with trusting, trusting good people and authority to lead you in the right direction, especially God, <laughs> you know, like he, he should be the most trustworthy one out of everybody. And so I think that's what it was. I just, I don't know. I just, I didn't want to do anything that anybody told me to do unless I wholeheartedly wanted to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was the, the, the God part, and you know, that's a huge part of your story and, and your love for right. Jesus. Now we, we're going to get to that, but was there a rebellion at that stage against God as well, or was it mostly against people and the things around you? 
Yeah. Unconsciously, I think there was a rebellion against God, you know, because my rebellion in general was a symptom of me not wanting to submit to God. Uh, but I didn't know that. I just, I just, I'm just like, no, I'm just, I'm just living my life uh, because I, I went to church and stuff like that. But it, it just, it honestly, the best way I could describe it as uh, living for Jesus and obedience to the gospel and the Bible, it sounded stupid. That That's really, it just was like, why would I do that? Why would I take up my cross and and die like that doesn't that doesn't sound fun to me and yeah. so yeah that's kind of yeah. where I was and so as this sort of re- rebellion happened and and the following whatever was 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 in your path and the way it was going what did it actually lead to um, my sense is with the amount of people that I've interviewed on on the show that there there is a time and a, and, and and an enjoyment of some of that stuff for a while right but then oh, there, yeah. there tends to be this moment where we like ah. Uh, there's just not much here. Did you hit that stage as well? When did that happen for you? I never experienced the emptiness of it per se. It was more so I came to a point where I had a choice to make. Either I continue to pursue and do life how I want to, or I turn from all of that and trust that Jesus really is the right way. And, And I think to a certain degree that makes it harder because now everything you're turning from is still things that make you happy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. the, 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 the trust part is I have to trust that God is actually going to make me happier eternally forever. And yeah. I think that's the difference. So. So, so what was that moment, Jackie? Because I, I think you're in that sense, you, you're, you're probably a little bit more unique. I think most people probably do fall off the cliff as it were. And then right. they have those moments what what was it that actually got you to a point where you were able to sit down and go, right, I, I have a decision I need to make now. And, and these are yeah. the things I have to decide between. Yeah, I was in my room. I was 19 uh, doing something super regular, uh, like watching, you know, MTV or something. And I felt God speak to my heart in such a way that I recognized that all of my rebellion, all of my sin, that it deserved death, judgment, a con- there was a consequence attached to it. Uh, and I think growing up in church and, you know, hearing about homosexuality and all these things, I used to think that that was the only thing that God might've had issue with because that's all they talked about. Right. <laughs> but then I realized, no, your heart is the problem. It's your, 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 like, there's something inside of you that holistically does not love God in every way. Um, and so I had this conversation with God, which was interesting because we had never spoken <laughs> before unless it was yeah. him rescuing me out of like, you know, a parking ticket or going to jail. <laughs> and what I saw or what I began to believe was that, man, if you are offering yourself up as an alternative to all of these things that I think believe or that I think give me joy, then you actually must be better. And so it wasn't me becoming a Christian because I was afraid of hell. It wasn't me becoming a Christian because I wanted to be kind of this like morally superior person in the world. It was simply, I think I saw for the first time that God was better than everything else that I loved. And so I chose him. And that's, that's really the power of God. Cause for me to be a Christian is, is, is miraculous. <laughs> and I think Jackie, there's, um, there's so much depth in just those couple of sentences you said, because I think there are a lot of people who 
they might say, look, I, I am a Christian because I'm scared of hell. That's how I got there. I, I am there because of these other things. And so um, often I think people in those situations, as they first come to Jesus in those moments, have to go through a bit of a process that you've gone through anyway. Mm-hmm. Actually, there's love and purpose and joy. It's not just the fear right. factor of it. And and there is so much love and joy with God, but often it, it's having to overlook the things that have happened to you. How did you you know put that together when suddenly you go, all right, well, God's real. There's, there's joy and hope and, and love and these sorts of things. But these awful things happened to me as a child. Did, did you ever have to sort of balance those out and go, God, why would you allow that to happen? No, because I've never blamed God for humans' issues, you know, like whether it's my father or, or the man that abused me, it was purely, this was a decision that they made right. to abandon me. This was a decision that they made to objectify me. This was a, a decision that they made to abuse me. This was a decision that they made. And so I, I have to trust and believe that all things, as the scripture says, works together for those who are good and called or all things work to the for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Because I think what I went through uh, has really been useful in me encouraging people that go through the same thing. Like it's, it's crazy how many people have been sexually abused or yeah. abandoned by their parents, you know? And so to be able to relate on that level and say, man, I get it. It hurts. It sucks. But yeah. God is, is good. Yeah. Now uh, I want to talk through, um, you know, as a framing uh, around some of your story, both of these books, let's stay with, start with um, gay girl, good God. Um, this was, as you, you, you mentioned a couple of times, you know, that, that, that you were live, living a lesbian life and, and things did change for you after you became a Christian. Could you take us through the sexuality part and the change that you felt God was asking you to make? And, and then you did make. Yeah. I, I, the shift was really, becoming a person that lived for themselves or changing from a person that lived for themselves into a person that lived for God's glory, Uh, meaning his, his fame, his name, his honor, his value. Um, Because I think a lot of times when we talk about people who might've had some type of sexual past, especially as it relates to sexual identity, when we say change, we don't really know what that means because the assumption might be, oh, you just became straight, or you know, you're, you, you becoming a Christian was a kind of conversion therapy. But when you look at the Bible, there is not emphasis on gay people being straight. There's emphasis on sinners becoming holy. Yeah. And so that's what the change was, was that God did not all of a sudden remove my like and attraction of women. Rather, he gave me a power and a love for him that superseded my love for anything else. And so what that does then is when I am tempted or when there is a, a desire to struggle, I don't, I don't ignore the desire. I give it to him and say, hey, this is where I am. This is how I feel, but I got to trust you to resist that. Just like anybody that's married might understand. You know, just because you love your spouse don't mean you don't look the other way sometimes. Yeah. But you have to make a decision to continue to honor the vows that you were made, that you made. So, yeah. Uh, and for, for you, um, you are now uh, married and you have children as we, we, we um, indicated before, but the, the aspect, I suppose, a question I want to ask you is we, we interviewed um, David Bennett earlier on this mm-hmm. year, and uh, mm-hmm. he talks about the fact that he considers himself a, a gay Christian, that he still mm-hmm. has that impulsion, but he believes that God, the call that God has on his life is to, um, be celibate in that. 
Um, it, yeah. it, there's many aspects of this. Do, do you, I mean, I'm guessing that there's a lot of people who talk to you about it. Is there some great wisdom that you can share of how we should approach it culturally, um, both as a, as a church, but also as individuals? How do we best talk about issues of sexuality? Because it seems like we, we tend to want to veer away from those discussions as we go through. Mm-hmm. I- I think just engaging with people and resources. So engaging with people is to say, man, let me learn from the people in my community, gay, straight, bi, whatever, trans. Let me listen to their stories. Let me understand what makes them tick, what triggers them, what gives them joy. Uh, when did they start, start to experience their sexual identity? When, like, when, when did that become a thing? I think, I think it's ignorance that keeps us from being able to engage in a compassionate way. I think once people are educated, it actually benefits them. But we also have to balance that as Christians, that is, because there also is the tendency that if you spend more time engaging with and learning from a particular community, it can it, it can either push you towards a compassionate compassion that, that forces you to deny scripture or pushes you towards a compassion where your convictions and your compassions are tethered together. And so that's what I mean by resources. It's also as you engage with people, as you engage and love and listen to that community, you also are reading and studying and, and asking the hard questions of the Bible because the, the, the stance that the Bible seems to make about sexuality sounds unjust to say that people can't love whoever they want. Talk to God about that. And investigate yeah. it for yourself so you can come to the right conclusion. Yeah. Um, may we be bold enough to say, wh- what? how did you come to that conclusion as you ask those questions of, of the Bible and of God? Yeah, I mean, the, the studying, you know, uh, in particular, Genesis 1 through 3 was huge for me. And, and going back to the beginning, you know, starting at Romans and Leviticus and Corinthians and Timothy and all of that, you can. But I think it, it's formative to see how did this thing start? And seeing that, oh, in the beginning, God created everything. And therefore, God has authority over everything. And then God creates the body. And then God creates marriage. And then God creates two people, a man and woman, to be in this marriage. And then when we do get to Ephesians and it says this mystery is profound, what Paul references is back in Genesis saying, hey, this is what marriage is. And so I think just just reading the scriptures as they are without bringing my own biases into it, which is the hard part, is discerning when you are interpreting the passage according to what you wanted to say or interpreting the passage according to what it actually says. Yeah. Yeah. Jackie Hillberry is my guest. We're going to be back in a couple of minutes' time as we talk about her new book as well, Holier Than Thou. That's on the way in a couple of minutes' time on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. On 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton and the authors, uh, the author of the books, uh, Gay Girl, Good God, and also Holier Than Thou, Jackie Hill Perry is joining me. And we'd be really hearing her story and it's sort of framed through these books as well. Um, Jackie, even the title of this new book, uh, Holier Than Thou, I sort of go back to something you said a bit earlier on. You said, I've got a bit of a rebellious streak in me. And even now in my life and how I've changed and my love of Jesus, there's still that rebellion. Um, even in the book's title, Holier Than Thou, you know, there's, I can see there's something that you're pushing, pushing here as well. Uh, yeah. take, us, take us through what, what the book's about and, and why you wrote it. 
Yeah. Um, so there are two interesting instances in the Bible, one in the Old Testament and one in, in the New Testament. The Old Testament in Jeremiah 2, uh, God asks of Israel, he said, hey, what he didn't say, hey, but I'm, you know, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what what wrong or what fault did you find in me that you left me and went after worthlessness and became worthless? And then in John, Jesus asks Israel this question. He says, can any of you convict me of sin? If not, why don't you believe me? In both of those, we see that God actually appeals to his holiness as the reason why he should be trusted. And so holier than thou is me investigating that. I was really curious to understand how like the holiness of God is super complicated and misunderstood um, topic actually can lead me to be a better Christian. If, yeah. if, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Now, you know, we know that uh, half our audience uh, have a, a Christian faith. Half would say, look, oh, it's not really for me, but I, I appreciate right. what it is. Um, do you do you have a definition of holiness to help us understand? And so for everybody to sort of get what you mean by that? Yeah. So holy, the root word of it is to cut or to separate. And so by holy, holy, we simply mean separation. Uh, holy doesn't necessarily mean like morally good. So just like uh, in Genesis, when God establishes the Sabbath, he calls it the holy Sabbath. All it means is that it's a day that he's separating from the other six, right? Um, we we treat certain things in our house as holy. For example, there are some holidays where you use a particular set of dishes that are separated from the other set of dishes. So for the sake of metaphor, we have holy dishes and we have common dishes. Gotcha. Uh, and so when we talk about God as holy, we mean that he is separate from all that is common, all that is regular and all that is profane. Yeah. And, and what's the link then from the separation to say, well, because God is separate from us, he can be trustworthy. Uh, it doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily, in my mind, immediately say, well, that makes it trustworthy. It's just yeah. separate. So, so what was the link there for you? Yeah, the separation doesn't necessarily connote uh, distance either, but more so a uniqueness in being. Gotcha. And so when it comes to God, he is set apart from us for two reasons. One, it's this really big word called transcendence, which means that God is above and beyond us in, in, in quality of being. Uh, it, for one way to understand that is if you ask anything or anybody, hey, what sets you apart from God? What makes y'all different? The main thing somebody should say is, well, I was created and he wasn't. Yeah. That automatically separates God from everything that, that, that you have this being who has no beginning. That's strange. That's weird, but it's unique, right? Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that's, that sets God apart from us is that he's morally pure. He is righteous. He is ethical. He is virtuous. He, he, he cannot sin, meaning he cannot rebel. He is not unkind. He is not unjust. He is, he is, he's just, he's just the epitome of, of good. And so both of those categories, the transcendence and the moral purity separate God from us in a very profound way. And how I connect that to trust is if I have a God, a being who is saying, Hey, trust me with your fears. I can trust him because if he is cre not created, that means he controls all things. So if he controls all things, I can't be afraid of stuff because it's in his hand, right? Yeah. But also 
if I'm if he's telling me, hey, trust me with your fears, I can handle it. I can trust him because I know he's not lying. Why? Because he can't. Yeah. <laughs> he can't lie. And so I think both of those freeze you up to say, oh, okay, I guess, I guess you are way more trustworthy than I might have thought. I like that. I love it. Um, in terms, Jackie, I suppose I'm also thinking of somebody who goes, well, okay, Jackie, I, I accept what you said about God, but boy, that, you know, he feels like somebody that I, I can't possibly relate to, or I, I, I'm nowhere near good enough to, to connect him with that. Now, um, Jackie, you and I both have a, a, an understanding and relationship that Jesus is, is who that link is for us to be able to get there. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in how you de- describe that, because I'm imagining there's a lot of people who would feel like that, that say, okay, this God is God, but how on earth can I have anything to do with him then? Yeah. One good thing is that that's really a good place to be, you know, because you have a lot of people in the world that do think they're good enough. And those are the ones that never ask for forgiveness. Those are the ones that never ask for help, right? Those are the ones that think they are strong enough to reach heaven. And so to say, I'm not good enough is, is a good start. But we have to move on from that and say, you know what? Jesus was good enough for me. That's the whole reason he came. Because God knew <laughs> that you were not good enough. God, God, And by good enough, we don't mean lacking dignity. You are still special. You are important. You were made in his image. And so we don't mean good enough as in lacking. We mean good enough as in not perfect enough to be as perfect as God is. Uh, and so we had to have Jesus come and be perfect for us and be good for us and obey all of God's laws for us and be righteous for us. And all he asks of us is to simply trust that, to say, hey, just just believe that I did the thing, I did the work, and you're good. Literally, you're good. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Jackie, you know, I, I'm especially struck by, we, we talk about this rebellious part of who you are, right? That this is what I believe from my understanding of as you're telling your story, this is a part of what God gave you too, right? This is the, the way he made you, as it were. I'm guessing that that um, is something that is awesome and you see some awesome opportunities out of that. And other times that people aren't too happy about that. And, and even now in, in life as you're living your life as a Christian, when you take that rebellious streak and you look at perhaps the way we live life now, the world, maybe it's the church, um, what do you point it at and say, boy, I, I think this is the way, this is this is how we need to be rebellious. This is the things we need to go and, and understand mm-hmm. more of. But is there something like that for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, the topic at hand is a kind of rebellion, right? To, to be talking about the nature of God and calling him good, even his justice. Mm-hmm. Saying that's good is rebellious to this culture. Uh, because we we live in a society that prefers a God that is like us, you know, who yeah. who lets things slide sometimes, especially when we are the guilty ones. And so, yeah, I, I think to to be a Christian with Christian convictions in this world today requires a high level of rebellion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jackie, the other part of your world and uh, is, you know, you, you write, you speak, you, you, you sing, you, you do all sorts of things that you, you have. You're, you're a mum at the same time as well. Um, in terms of the, the pressures of life and where you feel like you're being called and led to, what's next for you? Is there, is there a next thing that you think God's saying, hey, look, this is, this is the thing I want you to have a, a crack at, Jackie? Uh, to, to mother, 
<laughs> you know, I have, I have three kids and I, and one on the way. And, wow, and congrats. So, yeah, I think my family um, kind of tempers my ability to, to flourish in my gifts in ways that I could if I, I, I if I was single, you know, yeah. uh, it kind of it holds me back in a really good way. Yeah. And so I think that's what God is on is, yeah, you have the you have the ability to do a lot of things. But is that exactly what I'm calling you to do? Not necessarily. Yeah. And that's isn't that an interesting aspect that that it's back to, as you mentioning that it's the long term aims, right? Like the long term good out of mothering and making sure that your family is there is is something that maybe doesn't immediately have these these big things happening right now, but will have these long term impacts on potentially whole lot of people as well Huge. Um, jackie i just want to give our care line out now maybe if something jackie's been saying has just been well stirring within you i suppose or something's going on inside and you're like boy i i i want to question something jackie said or i i'm really connected to something that jackie said i but i don't really have anyone to talk to please call our care line that's what they're there for just for you to chat through to have a, a yarn with um, to ask some of those questions, to even pray with if you'd like to as well, to, yeah. to ask some of those things that Jackie's been talking about. So their phone number, 9583-2273, 9583-CARE, if you use the letter pad on your phone, 9583-CARE. Jackie, it's just a, a privilege to be able to have a, a chat to you. Thank you for what you're doing, uh, especially as a mum, but also with these books and the inspiration and the, the challenge and encouragement, I'm sure it's going to be for so many. And thank you for your time today. Thank you. This is fun. Jackie Hill Perry, the author of the new book, Holier Than Thou, here on 89.9 The Light.